podcast, I'm here with Sharon Condola, who is Chief Operating Officer at CTO Boost, a consultant firm. She's also a director of Startup Grind in Toronto, a global organization with over 2 million members. But she also has around 20 years of experience in startups. She writes for Fortune and made appearances on City TV, BBC, BNN, and been quoted frequently in um, resources like Eng.com, Beta, Beta Kit, Toronto Star, Globe and Mail, and Financial Post. Sharon, it's a pleasure to have you here on the show. Hi, Sergey. Thank you. It's very nice to be here. Well, why don't we start with talking about you are doing a lot of things at the same time, uh, and you are chief operating officer. It's a big role. You also co-founded FeeDuck Startup, which I believe you are still running, mm-hmm. and you're director for Star- Startup Grind, mm-hmm. uh, which is a lot of work to do. So what do you do more or less <laughs> of uh, that, compared, uh, compared to people who are unable to do what you're doing? I don't know about more or less. I think, uh, you know, week to week it changes, depends on where the priorities lie. So that's where I'll focus uh, focus my effort. I mean, we, we only have 24 hours a day and some of that has to go to sleep and eating and hopefully a little bit of socializing is always nice and the rest of it is work. But I think uh, for me, the things that I'm working on are things that excite me. So it's not the same as, you know, shutting off at 5 p.m., closing the laptop and, and going home and forgetting about it, right? For mm-hmm. me, that's it. the things that I'm doing are part of my life. They're things that I'm interested in and excited about. And I think that's the biggest thing. And I, you know, that's one of the things that I talked a lot uh, with other entrepreneurs about also. And we hear it all the time, right? You yeah. find something you're passionate about or mm-hmm. something that you love, and of course, then we step back and say, "Well, what is that thing that I love? I don't, I don't know what I love, right?" Yeah. Oh, it's, it's such an internal, eternal question. <laughs> it is. It really is. Um, but when it comes to you know, where do I, where do I spend that time? It re- really just depends on sometimes just the week, sometimes the specific hour in the day, and where priorities priorities are. Yeah, I mean, how do you, I guess, like, do you reprioritize every day depending how it comes, whatever you're working on, or what's what's your system? That's it exactly. I think uh, you know. You have your monthly goals or your quarterly ones, um, but definitely every day you need to look at them and say, okay, how much time am I spending on what? Hey, I've got this wonderful interview book today with yourself. That's yeah. definitely a priority for me today. But uh, every every morning or every night, you do need to go over your calendar for the next day, see what makes sense, make adjustments as you need to. But for me, Sunday night is a big planning planning night for the week. And that's where I kind of go through the week and make any changes if I if I need to. Yeah, no, that's uh, that's very cool. You've been a project manager. You also founded your own consultant firm back in the day called Euroleaf. Mm-hmm. Where did it all start for you, like in terms of career? So uh, actually, my career always has been in the field of data. So I'm one of those data nerds that get super excited looking at numbers and spreadsheets and mm-hmm. uh, deltas in data. So that's something that I've always um, always been a part of and has always been part of my career. With Yearleaf, what I was doing really was consulting. Uh, it was on the marketing side. So this would have been, you know, early 2000s and, you know, uh, social media is picking up and a lot of people are looking for marketing assistance uh, in that space. And really, at the end of the day, it was all about numbers again, right? It really was very heavy with data, which, of course, a lot of us understand now, but it wasn't necessarily the case uh, in those days. Mm-hmm. And it was just something that I was interested in myself. And, you know, for me, really, the reason data is interesting to me is because it really is about finding the gems and finding that that golden nugget and that huge amount of amount of data. 
And of course, uh, as time has gone on, there's so much more data now, right? It's almost too much. (laughs) Probably too much, probably more than we want to know. Um, But still, that's the piece that keeps me excited, right? Um, Mm -hmm. You have all this information. So what is that piece that you need? And, you know, what's that saving grace or what's that, like I said, golden nugget that's going to save it? But it was also for you, specifically, you were interested in technology, right? Mm -hmm. Like in in this industry. Why, Why necessarily tech? So the challenge for me or the, I guess, the exciting thing for me in tech is finding ways, finding ways to make interactions with technology not feel like you're interacting with tech, making it feel like it's just, you know, a part of your normal day, every day. And, you know, like I said, today, things are a lot easier because, you know, now you can tell Alexa, hey, I need this or I need that. And, you know, tech has obviously evolved a lot and it's not perfect, of course. It's a it's a evolutionary thing. But as we were just saying earlier with Google Assistant and everything yeah. else, and, you know, it never quite gets exactly what we need. Just not quite. It's never, it's never quite there, right? Um, but it's getting there. And I think just from day one, that's been the thing that's really, really gotten me excited. Um, how do you, you know, it, it used to even be somebody interfacing with um, a system at work, for example. The most annoying thing it would feel like, right? It's not, oh, yeah. you know, quote unquote, user friendly. That word didn't even exist then. Um, but, you know, it was a annoying, yeah. right? Here's a new way and I can't figure out what I need and I've got to go find a product code. I don't know where that is. It was always very ugly and clunky mm. and difficult for people. So I guess the, you know, the little thing that keeps me floating aside from the data side is how do you make tech feel like it's not tech and just make it feel like it's just a part of you, your everyday right. and the things that we normally do. Is it for you um, an intersection of technology and communication or technology and liberal arts? Where do you see? It started out as communication, I think. Now it's just almost technology and life, I want to say. You know, your lifestyle and whatever that is. Uh, You know, you're riding a bike. So you're, you know, it's you, you and your bike. But now tech can be integrated into that. And now you know how far you went and how does that affect your health? And, you know, your Waze app will tell you the fastest route to get there. Like there's so many different ways of just pulling in the pieces of technology that you need that it almost doesn't feel like an art to, to me anymore. Right. And I know it just depends on your point of view on that. Yeah. But um, and it started out as communication for sure. You know, you can use it to, hey, connect with anyone all over the world. You can, you know, do video conferencing with your grandma who lives in a remote village in Africa. You know, there was all these amazing things that that we could do and we still and we still can obviously but today it almost feels like you just pull in the little pieces of tech that you need to just augment your lifestyle or your reality now i'm not talking about augmented reality but (laughs) you know what i mean (laughs) it almost feels like there's too much tech right now with people getting as we just talked about hooked on all of these devices and then attention span getting so much you know, like shorter, it's like eight seconds or, or seven seconds or something like that. Probably less, less I think. Yeah, probably even less. <laughs> yeah. And then where, 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 where are we going? Like, is that, is that like a, doesn't look like there's, there's a lot of diminishing returns. You know what it is? It's about where you're going to spend your time. And it's, uh, these are individual choices, I think. You know, a lot of people do that, you know, unplug week away. They just kind of disconnect from everything. And I don't think technology is the culprit of that or you know isn't the technology really isn't the reason for that the problem is we don't take that time anymore to self-reflect on anything and sometimes the only way we know how to do that is to leave it at home go away somewhere in the wilderness or whatever it is to force ourselves to do that right 
um, with anything that we do, it's it really is that self self reflection, and you know, even with the startups that I advise, you know, a lot of times they'll come out and say, you know, what should I do next? How how should I do this? Or is this the next right next move for me? And the, the reality is, that there's no right answer, and the only person who knows the answer is yourself. If you don't spend that time with yourself, you're not going to know what the answer is. And I think one thing tech is has taught us to do is to want to have the answers right away. So we tend to just run up and ask somebody and yeah. say, what should I do next? Does this make sense? Should I invest, you know, this much of my time or should I quit my startup now or should I continue with what I'm doing? And honestly, nobody knows the answer but you. And sometimes that can be very frustrating to an individual who's looking for that answer. But really it is about, yeah, there is a lot of tech out there, but you know what? We're big boys and girls. We have to know how to use it and when. But is it also a f- human nature to find a fast shortcut and in, in not put in the work and, and let somebody else figure it out and tell them what to do versus to find that outright answer that the people know? And I totally actually agree with that. They have to do so much work like, and they just don't want to. Is that, is that the, that factor? I think a part of it is, but at the same time, you know, the only reason that humans have gotten to where they are today is because they kept pushing and exploring and asking questions and trying to figure out, you know, the what ifs, what happens if I do this and what happens if I do that. And had they stopped, then we wouldn't have evolved to where we are today. We wouldn't have the tech that we have today or anything, right? right? So I think a lot of, you know, human nature does exist to the point where you'll always have the people who are questioning, pushing, asking why, trying to figure out the next step. And then you'll have others. And I mean, we all get tired, right? We all want to just put our feet up and be like, oh, okay, I'm just going to put pause, press pause on this for a couple of days or a weekend or whatever. But the reality is that pause doesn't get you anywhere either. And yeah, we, we teach ourselves to, to, I guess, take the easy route. But I don't know that that's really our nature. I think people are starting to evolve to that just because mm-hmm. the conveniences of life. Modern life has a lot of stresses, but also a ton of conveniences, right? So I think a lot of us are just maybe getting used to those conveniences. Right. And maybe that's not in our best interest. <laughs> no, it's so true. Like all this nature of a now, whatever mm-hmm. it is, just getting everything now, it's probably not the best. Uber for everything is not yeah. the right mentality. Yeah. <laughs> so, so you co-founded FeeDuck. Uh, mm-hmm. Maybe you could talk a little bit about what it was like, because I know you mentioned it was like one of the hardest thing, hardest things that you did, and you didn't expect it to be that hard. Yeah, I know. That sounds so silly, right? Like, hey, I'm going to start a business, but and I know it's going to be hard, but I didn't think it was going to be that hard. <laughs> but the reality is you don't know until you're in it, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, so I had uh, a few co-founders. We all went in and, you know, had this idea, and we were super gung-ho, and you know, one of the things that when I say it was hard, it seems like it almost simplifies it. You, what what I realized very quickly, and, you know, it still sticks with me today, is that you keep getting hit, right? So life will keep giving you challenges. Uh, the universe will keep giving you challenges. So you sit there and you say, hey, I'm going to start this company, X, and it's going to do these three things and we're going to be amazing and off we go. So you're good for a little while and you're feeling great. Okay, you got a little setback, you pick yourself up again and you go again. But you're going to keep getting tested on that, right? And it's not just from uh, your own naivety, like there's lots of things that you're going to go into and you don't necessarily understand the full, uh, you know, the steps or the process that you need to go through. So you, you learn a lot, so then you get a lot of, you know, you fall back on that. And then you also have other people who you know, A, don't believe in your idea, 
you know, B, they have their own idea that's competing with yours, so then that's a problem. You know, you're trying to convince people that you're the right person to execute. Mm-hmm. Um, there's, so there's so many levels of things yeah. that you're learning, right? It's it's operational, it's product marketing, it's building the product, it's sales, like you're selling yourself and the company and, you know, in, in the early stages and actually in any relationship that we have, really they're always based on trust. So how do you create that trust? Yeah. Um, and then just about yourself, what do you learn? Well, how resilient can you be? Um, and resili- there's a difference between resilience and being stubborn, right? So that's mm-hmm. different too. Mm-hmm. You know, am I just sort of being a pain in the butt hanging on to this idea and, you know, like a little brat? Or is this person who has, you know, 30 years of experience in business, where are they coming from? What are they trying to say? It doesn't mean they're always right because everyone comes at you from their own individual perspective, right? But it's those kinds of challenges you're constantly trying to juggle. And then obviously finances and, and everything else, you know, growth. Hey, how do we make a, how do you even do a go-to-market plan? Right. And then how do you update that every year? And, yeah. oh, no, now it's not relevant anymore. And how do you do that? And how do you work with partners in this capacity? So, I mean, yeah, it was hard. <laughs> what was, so what, uh, I guess, what drove you to overcome those uh, challenges that keep coming, that kept coming back at you? It's the, it's the end goal, right? That North star, you're trying to create something. And if it's something that you are uh, interested in, it's something that you want to do. So for me with Feedback, the reason it was important to me was because we were saving consumers money at the end of the day. Every single person who's buying or selling a house wants to save money. This is a big investment, right? For any of us. Um, Honestly, for most of us, the most expensive we're ever going to make. So every dollar counts. So that, that idea really helped propel me to keep going, right? Because there was a clear impact on, on the lives of families. So we had one couple uh, that was in Alberta and they were moving to uh, a town to be closer to their uh, adult children. So this was an elderly couple. They didn't have enough money to physically make the move. Like it mm-hmm. costs a lot to hire movers, get them right. to, you know, get in your con- containers and everything, ship yeah. everything over, blah, blah, blah. So the money they saved using our service allowed, gave them that window so that they could they could physically move and, you know, that changed their life. We had other people coming to us saying that they were able to move into a better neighborhood, which let their kids be in better schools because of the money they saved through the, this real estate transaction. So it really, you know, yeah. it's not like a momentary happy, like, mm-hmm. hey, here's a great app, I feel good this minute. Right. The the rewards to to our customers were a lot greater and would last a lot longer. Right. You know, they'll feel it for years, which yeah. is very motivating. Yeah, it's a big mission for sure. It's like a big driving thing when you're waking up in the morning, like oh, you're going to do something and change people's lives. Yeah, yeah, right? That feels good. It feels, <laughs> yeah, it does feel really, really cool. How does somebody, you t- touched on the balance of stubbornness and resilience, very, very, feels very hard. Like what is the, like, is there, is, is there even a right <laughs> way to approach that? You know what it is? Again, it's that self-assessment, right? We put a lot of effort into whatever whatever we call our baby. You know, we, we've put a lot of effort into something, this project or an idea or uh, a business, whatever it is. And yeah, the world's going to keep trying to push you down. And it's not because they're malicious, but just we don't all think alike, right? So you're going to keep getting pushback. And that's natural. And I think it's important because it helps you question what you're doing and why you're doing. So you get to recheck and you get to look at yourself again and say, hey, yeah, does this still make sense? And that's always a good thing. 
So when does, how does that become stubbornness, right? How, where do you get to that mm-hmm. point where you're like, okay, now I'm just, you know, bearing down for no reason. Right. That only happens when you're not stepping back to reassess the situation again and again, you know, look at the market size and look at what else is happening. Who are some competitors coming out? You know, is, you know, is a financial industry crashing? So maybe now is not the right time for something. You know, we sometimes we're very passionate, which is amazing. I think that's 90% of any any business you're going to run, you have to have that passion behind it to help uh, support it. But if you're not um, pragmatic in your approach, you're not systematic at looking at your processes and you're not looking at your finances and you're not planning ahead properly, then you really are blinded by reality, right? And I think that is stubbornness. And that, you know, that's really the difference. Mm -hmm. Because if you're looking at your numbers and you got your plans and you're validating them regularly, not just with yourself, but sharing them with advisors or, you know, others in the industry, looking at what's happening in the news to kind of keep having those checkpoints, then it becomes very clear if you're just being stubborn or if, you know, it is a resilience thing. (laughs) Yeah, just uh, back to self-awareness, as you said, and knowing what you don't know. So important to know what you don't know. Absolutely. Health helps a lot. Yes. <laughs> when you, you mentioned in the article, like to succeed, you have to learn how to love those setbacks because when you take the next step forward, you'll be better off that. Mm-hmm. So maybe when, when, the, when the founder experiences those setbacks, is there type of questions that they can ask themselves to keep carrying forward and maybe just overcome them? Or what's what some of the steps that they could take? It's again that, you know, you do have to remind yourself, of course, it's disappointing. You know, say you're looking to hire the next great engineer and he, you know, he or she gets a job somewhere else or you're waiting on a big client to land and and that fell through or perhaps there was some funding that was coming and that fell through. There's always things, right? Maybe, I don't know, a regulation and, you know, Health Canada didn't approve your product. I mean, that's huge, huge. So things happen and and these are sort of milestone things that we need to, to grow our business. So what do you do at that time? I mean, you know, you can get angry and you can get sad and you can cry, but what you really have to do is once once the initial emotional release is gone, you do need to focus again and say, okay, hey, wait a second. Like you said, what's that North Star? Am I still aiming for that? Mm-hmm. You know, nine times out of 10, it's, the answer is yes. Okay, so if I'm still aiming for that, what's my next step now? What am I going to do? Am I going to try and find, you know, what's my plan B? Right. Right. And that that's the thing. And I think the more you the more the more experience you have in business and the more setbacks you get, when you look back on them, you realize how much you learn from them. But at that time, you have no idea that this is the lesson. Right. There's no way, you know, you don't know it. And then you look back, you say, oh, yeah, this is what I got out of that. So what's the best way to approach it? Write down your thoughts, what you're feeling, what happened, and then figure out the next step. And if you are committed, you will find a way. Mm-hmm. there always is a way right where there's a will there's yeah, a way we yeah. know this <laughs> and it's true it's true i totally yeah i totally agree and it feels pretty painful at that moment you're like oh my god that's the worst thing that happened yeah. but then later on almost almost always is the best thing like steve jobs said connecting the dots looking backwards yeah yeah always when you look back right you know hindsight is twenty twenty, and it's very true if you can just get through those pivotal moments and for me, it is the North Star. If I'm looking at something, this is the thing I want to create, or this is the vision that we're moving towards, just reminding myself of what that is, you know, go work out, release some tension, yeah. or do some yoga, you know, and get back on it, right. right? That's the only way it'll get done. It's not going to happen if you're just sitting there. 
Yeah. <laughs> Even with the best book. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so you're a director of Startup Grind. Yeah. And I d did see, like, you, you have a slightly different mission than a lot of other networking events is to create real communities and real relationships. Here in Toronto, we have a lot of events and I go to a lot of meetups. But what I find is a lot of them have is a very transactional surface level networking where people are just talking, oh, well, you work here? Great. Here's my card. And that's pretty much it. It doesn't really go, a, very rarely does go further where you actually develop the real relationship. How does Startup Grind approach that? I love Startup Grind from my heart. And the reason is because our values really at the very basic level is about making friends and helping each other. It's so basic, and but it means so much. Like you can go so far with that, right? Over 2 million members we are globally. We're in 500 cities uh, all over the world, 500 plus. Uh, the Toronto chapter is 7,000 members. And we are all founders, entrepreneurs, and others in the ecosystem that support entrepreneurship, mainly tech, but that's, that's really because I think in Toronto, the tech entrepreneurship scene is probably the largest. Mm -hmm but we certainly don't discriminate. Like we're open to everybody. And at the end of the day, we all face the same challenges, right? As business owners or startup founders. Yeah. And what's the most exciting thing? I mean, look, we're, we're authentic, right? Uh, it's more, there, there's a place for every event in Toronto. There's so many different events. That's the beauty of being in such a big city. Uh, for us, what our goal is to keep our events really intimate. So we try to have a couple hundred people, maybe 200, 150, 200. Uh, we get uh, a great guest to come up and talk about their story, their entrepreneurship journey, what kept them motivated. How did they get through those hard times? Those kind of questions uh, you're yeah, asking those... me. <laughs> <laughs> those are very popular. <laughs> Just to see, you know, get into people's heads a little bit and see what they do to get through it, right? And we've been so lucky to have such amazing people give us their time over the years and really uh, inform our members. And with us, yeah, like you said, it is more than just the monthly event. Um, I literally answer emails all the time and we're always trying to connect individuals with each other uh, from, from our own community in Toronto, but also globally. So if anyone is traveling, for example, to Ireland, it it's nothing more than an email, you know, I can make an introduction to the director, David Scanlon is in Ireland yeah. and, you know, in Dublin, and I can very easily just send that connection over and, you know, boom, you're plugged into the ecosystem in another, in another city, or, you know, halfway across the world. Cool. So it's really cool to be able to do that just because the network is so huge and vice versa. I mean, we, ha I have also directors all the time emailing me. Um, and you know, we are, we're on a Slack channel as well, always yeah. sort of saying, Hey, you know, so-and-so is traveling from here to Toronto, maybe a good idea for you to meet. And really we're just trying to connect people. Right. And we really right. see ourselves as a hub, mm -hmm. uh, in, in our respective cities. And of course we're connected with the angel networks yeah. and, you know, VCs and other accelerators and programs throughout the city. So certainly we can, we can share that information, but it's all volunteer run. Yeah. So it does, it does take up a lot of time, but it's, it's so rewarding because, I mean, these are challenges that, you know, I've personally faced myself mm -hmm. and, you know, you don't know where to go and you don't know who to ask or what your next step should be sometimes. So uh, it is it is really great to be part of a community and to be able to, to do this for, for our own community here in Toronto. Yeah, no, this is amazing and a great concept. And I'm sure you have, you have like a, quite a few events coming up mm -hmm. uh, here in Toronto, which is awesome. Yeah.
it's fun. We're looking forward to it. Every everyone, every event is 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 very special to us actually. And uh, I think over time we've really started to build a lot of relationships with the community as well. Uh, they they know what they'll get <laughs> when they when they come out. Yeah, that's the that's the best. How has a failure or or setback? Uh, set you up for a later success anything that maybe you had that looking backwards I feel like it's it's a it's just so many failures right I mean even just things like so you know hey create your business plan okay so you create a you create this business plan you spend maybe way too much time doing it this is out of my personal experience but that's usually what you're advised to do when you first get started right so you spend a ton of time and then it's constantly tweaking because this is a startup so startups don't have business plans the same way that you know an enterprise would or a more established company would right but typically that's the first uh, you know advice that set of advice that you get you know set up that business plan and what i've learned is with that and with a lot of other things is just to be a lot more fluid and fluid meaning you have a gauge right Like you'll, you'll, you'll stretch up to about this point and then you're going to pull back again. Right. But it's not so black and white. It's not so binary. Right. Right. So you're not just looking at things saying, okay, no, it's got to be this and it's got to be this and it's got to be this because that's not how stuff works. Uh, So yeah, you need to have a couple of plans, but you have to have that, that flexibility Mm -hmm. Um, because if you're too rigid, you're not going to make it anywhere. And I think that's something that I learned very early and sometimes I'm still learning because, you know, you have your idea and you're like, well, this is a plan we've made, you know, we've got to stick to this thing, but you've always got a plan knowing that you need a bit of a buffer. You're going to need to ebb and flow with it a little bit. Which sometimes it's so hard, especially when you're too, too driven and too motivated. You're like, no, this is what we're doing no matter what. No matter what. And I think the thing is your outcome is that's not flexible usually, right? You want whatever that thing is that you're going for, right? You're going to make the best widget in the history of the world, and that's what you're going to do. But the path there sometimes is not going to be, and most of the time is not going to be the path that you planned out. And you have to be comfortable with that. Yeah, no, absolutely. What is one of the best or most worthwhile investments that uh, that you made in those necessarily doesn't necessarily have to be financial could be time or maybe career path or certain things that you spent your time on in your career I think really it is spending the time on yourself and I I know that's becoming a bit of a theme of our chat today but it's very easy so easy to just put that on the back burner Right. Whether it be just, hey, you know what, I'm just going to try and eat better. I, I'm not sleeping because I'm a startup founder and I sleep, you know, five hours a night or six or whatever it is. So I'm just going to do that or I'm going to take make sure I take a 15 minute walk every day or I'm going to make sure I get up half an hour earlier and I just, you know, practice my my yoga, you know, or or I'm going to meditate, whatever that is. And I, I myself actually hear that again and again as well with some of the the other founders that I've interviewed in the past. Right it always comes back to that, like just finding that moment every day to reground yourself with whatever it is, right? If you like to draw, fine. If you like to listen to MC Hammer and scream your head off singing it while you're dancing in your living room, (laughs) if that's what makes you, you know, release the stress and kind of find yourself again, it's very important because it is very demanding. And these are demands that we put on ourselves and we won't succeed if, again, we're not rooted and we're not looking inward. Yeah, just having a set morning routine that actually makes work for you. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, absolutely. What advice would you give to somebody who's smart, driven, somebody who's early in their career and just wants to get to that next level? What what should they be doing? And I know it's a generic question, but maybe there's some... Wisdom. I guess my first question, what's the next level, right? Like <laughs> when you're, you know, you're starting out, 
you're you're so green and fresh-faced and you know bushy-tailed as they say right bright-eyed and bushy-tailed which is amazing and I think that's something that you know as you as you're as you're a little bit further along in your years like myself you kind of try and channel that back right because oh yeah yeah I used to be like this sorry you know this is how it used to be why am I not like that anymore um but even for 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 those that are starting out I would just say it's it's the fear, right? You got to drop the fear. And even in, even at my stage today and, and, and anybody, I would say the same thing. Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid to ask questions. Don't be afraid to find out more. Don't be afraid to try something. Don't be afraid to fail. Like fear holds us back a lot, right? We might not, um, ask for that raise because we're kind of afraid of what that might look like, or we might not want to, I don't know, wear that crazy jacket that we fell in love with at the mall because people might make fun of it. There's so many things that hold us back and it's all because of fear. And whether you're just starting out in your career or somewhere else, that's, I think, the biggest thing. If we can step back and say, okay, hey, why didn't I probe that a little bit further? Or why didn't I, you know, why did I blow off that meeting? Mm -hmm. You know, was it because I was nervous about something? Was I worried about something? Was I afraid of something? soon as you drop that fear, if you try, try and live by that, that mantra, and it's something that, that I'm really trying to live with, mm-hmm. is no fear and no hate. So those are two words that are very important to me, or two phrases that are very important to me. And I think if we can all try and live like that a little bit, we'll be better off for it individually, but also as a community, because you'll, you'll see so much more come out of people right we're capable of so much and if we can drop it we'll get there what about uh, steps to overcoming fear i've heard there's so many different ways so people are doing that one of the ways that i've heard and i personally think it works um just in a, from a practical terms is just do start doing it in small steps and despite what you feel and then it's going to feel awkward it's going to feel really crappy at the moment but then you get better and you improve what is there anything like from your experience that you do or you would suggest there's really nothing else is there you've just got to take the first step um and recognize that you know it is you you yourself that's holding yourself back it really isn't it doesn't have to be a big epiphany or a big grand moment that all of a sudden you woke up and now you've shed all your fears and off you go, you know, to climb that mountain. That's not going to happen, right? You have to start slowly. Even, you know, people who are, you know, are climbing Mount Everest, that's not the first time they've ever climbed a mountain, yeah, oh yeah. <laughs> right? Oh yeah. <laughs> they, they did it step by step and that's, that's it exactly. You have to, you have to tackle it, you know, one step at a time, put one foot in front of the other and, and there is no other way to get through it. It's, you know, it is sink or swim, right? 100%. Yeah. Is there um, something, is there an advice? And I mean, it's interesting, like, especially for, 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 in, for people who are young, everybody has an advice. Everybody wants to give them advice and they probably haven't done anything close to that. Yeah. Is there one thing that people should ignore from what they hear? That's a fun question. I, again, Sergey, you know what? If you... You're going to hear a lot of advice. I'm going to assume that most of it comes from a good place when we hear <laughs> when we hear all this advice. But it's always it's always an individual's own perspective, right? And I think it's very important to when you hear advice, you try and think of it from who who it's coming from and why they might say that, right? Out of their personal experiences and out of whatever their own individual goals are. 
you know, I, I might not want to be a skydiver, but you might really want to be. And I might say, oh my gosh, you're going to kill yourself. Don't do it. But that doesn't jive with you, you know, in your core, you know that that's what you want to explore. But you might look at me and say, okay, that's not the right thing for Sharn. And that's why she would say that, right? Yeah. From her experience or what she wants out of life. Or she's afraid of heights or whatever it is, right? Yeah. Yeah. So it's not the right fit. So when people give advice, I think that's the biggest thing. You have to really stop and think about where it's coming from first. But again, it's all about knowing you, yourself. It's all about knowing yourself and sort of internalizing it again and saying, okay, well, where did that come from and how will I use that or not? You follow a lot of successful people on LinkedIn. I've seen uh, Tony Robbins, Richard Branson, Bill Gates, a lot of uh, a lot of really cool founders. Mm -hmm. When we say somebody's successful, who comes to mind first and why? Wow, what a question. It's how you define success, isn't it? Um, yeah. Of course... Of course, Bill Gates, of course, Tony Robbins. I mean, these are huge, huge names. They're such inspiring people and they inspire millions of people, hundreds of millions, I'm, I'm certain. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, um, you know, there, there are companies I see every day that, you know, three years ago, they weren't sure where they were headed. And today, you know, they're 10, 15 people shops and, you know, they've got, great recurring revenue and they're feeling great. And then you've got, you know, the single moms who, you know, all they're trying to do is make sure their kids graduate high school and get to a good university and they work their butts off to do that. There are people who have to live with illnesses and there's just so many things that have come, that come to anybody's life. And, you know, one thing my mom said to me a very, very long time ago, and it's, it's always stuck is that if you stop and ask anybody really, you know, about how they are and what's going on in their life. Everyone's got a story that'll make you cry or you make you think twice about, you know, your own situation. So when we say, how do we define success? It really is any person who's overcome whatever that crap is that life is sending your way. Cause we've all got it, right? We've all got something that if you sort of stop and dig down, it's going to hurt a little bit. And if you're able to do something in spite of that, then you're successful. Yeah, that's a that's a great definition, Sharon. What are some of the books and those don't can be in business and marketing anywhere, maybe personal development that you keep coming back to? You know what, I really like to read biographies about people, and I I read I read everything. I've read like the Elon Musk one I just finished, that one's so and good. it's so good. It's so good. He's so inspiring. I mean, who puts a like dude built a rocket factory. Yeah, that's crazy <laughs> like what how do you do that right <laughs> so there's that I've also read like Jane Fonda like I've read I just read biographies I love I love learning about people and their paths and kind of again seeing how they make it through whatever you know whatever life brings their way and I find that to be super super motivating of course I read business books and of course I read fiction and I like to read a lot of a lot of proper literature you know I've always been a, been an avid reader that way But I think the things that inspire my day-to-day -day really are biographies. I love learning about people. That's, that's very cool. Yeah, biographies are awesome. And I mean, it's such a great way to draw, to draw a parallel to, to you and to maybe other people and just reflect, say, oh, this is maybe the way it should be good. You can go. Absolutely. Absolutely. What impact would you like to have uh, with, with the work that you're doing, Sharon? Oh, my gosh. What impact would I like to have? I think... There, there are a few things, right? So for me, I was saying earlier about data and just having those nuggets. It, there's so much power in data. 
I would love to one day be able to put that power into the hands of the individuals who own that data. I don't know where, how, how I'm going to get there, but that for me would be massive to, to be able to, um, give people control over, over what is rightfully theirs in the first place. Right. And then secondarily, you know, of course we're growing our own team here at CTO Boost. Um, I feel really honored to be with such smart people and I hope to keep motivating them and to keep creating something for them that gets them excited about get coming in every day and, you know, helping us create that, that next thing Mm -hmm. that we're working on. And, I think I really, I really do take that responsibility very, very seriously. You know, you've got a team, this is their livelihood, they have their own plans for their futures and everything. So that's something that's massive, a massive weight on me too. And, but I'm honored, honored to be part of it. I love, um, I've learned, I've learned that I really love helping our team find their path and, and help them set up this stepping stones that they need to get there to whatever their goals are too. Yeah, that's amazing. Where is everybody can find you online? Oh my gosh. Um, so I have a Twitter okay. <laughs> at Gersharn. LinkedIn is probably the best way to find me. Instagram I barely use. I'm just running out of time. <laughs> There's too many things. <laughs> too distracting. Too distracting, too distracting. But I think probably LinkedIn is the best way. And we will link it all uh, in the show notes. Everybody can just follow you. And, awesome. Uh, it's going to be great. But Charn, it was amazing. And thank you so much for, thank you. for a great interview. I hope that was good for you. <laughs> that was awesome. Amazing insights. I learned a lot too. Thank you so much, Sergey.